Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Um, as always, I'm excited this week for my guest because he's got a new book out. We're going to get into all that, but I want to hear more about his uh, his parenting style. Uh, and he and I have just kind of recently got connected. So I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about him and his back history and all that. But my good friend, William Vanderblumen has joined me on Dad Up. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate what you're doing uh, to have resources to learn. You know, you, you have a kid and you're a dad and they, it doesn't come with a manual, right? <laughs> so uh, appreciate your work and it's it's a thrill to be with you today. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. We don't have a manual. Um, I do like to say that really our manual that we have to raising kids is is what I like to call the Bible. Uh, some people may disagree. Uh, some, some people may not, but that's the one that I like to go off of. But in the middle of everything, when you're having a kid, you don't really know what to expect. I mean, we are raised, yeah. we, we raise our kids based on the experiences of our own upbringing, right? Our own parental yeah. upbringing, right? Uh, friends around us and other, you know, adults that have had kids. That's really where our experience comes from. And um, so, yeah, it's a journey. It's a process. It takes a village. We know all those different things, but um, it is, it can be fun and it can be challenging, but I know you have, you have uh how many kids do you have? Let's let's get into kind of the back history of William, kind of how you grew up, yeah. uh, kind of how you got well, into the things you're doing now, and then obviously yeah. uh, about your family as well. Sure. So, uh, you know, short version is, uh, well, back up. I remember vividly the ride home from the hospital with our first and oldest son and thinking, oh, crud, I'm in charge of this now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish there'd have been a podcast. I I had good parents. They, you know, they were uh, uh they were good for me. They were uh, I think parenting pendulum swings, right? Over the years. And they grew up under greatest generation people who depression, World War II. And my grandparents were pretty tightly wound, you know, pretty high control. And I think mom and dad swung over to the other side. So they were good to me. They were good parents. They didn't they intentionally didn't offer a lot of guidance. So uh, it had learned things on the fly. And boy, I wish this kind of podcast had been around then. Uh, but that was before there were podcasts, before there were iPhones. That was back yeah. when the world was in black and white with subtitles, silent movie eras. No, uh, we have seven kids. Oh, and wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So we've been in zone defense for a long, long time. And uh, this year finally we've got two left in the house so we're finally in man-to-man -man defense and I, I don't even remember how to play it but uh 
That's great. It's, but but not the expert by any means. I mean, anytime I sound like I know what I'm doing, it's the guy who figured it out as he went. And a lot of times it was from stepping on the rake and getting hit in the face. Um, you know, I've had to kind of carve out my own sense of what, how much instruction do I give my kids and how much do I let them figure it out and, and kind of find the middle of that pendulum swing. So, um, you know, it's 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 a journey for sure. And I, I wish someone had told me one of the things that excited me most, Brian, about your podcast is you started it after you were, quote, done being a dad. Right. right. Uh, I, I, I have a friend who had some pretty significant trouble with his kids over the years, and they ended up in counseling and therapy and long, long story. All good now. But he said, you know, something I'd never considered that my uh, counselor told me. So what's that? He said, I'd never realized I'm going to have, assuming everybody stays healthy, I'm going to have way more time being an adult dad of adult children than I ever did mm -hmm. as kid children. So I'm now trying to figure out this uh, dad with adult kid relationship. We had our oldest getting married in the spring. So it's a constant journey and a constant learning. So that, that's kind of the, the family backstory. Everybody thinks we're either Mormon or Catholic. We're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I tell people, you know, my wife, she just won't leave me alone. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I tell her I'm not a piece of meat, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in all, in all seriousness, she's a saint and, uh, has put up with a lot that, uh, she didn't sign up for. And, uh, in the middle of all that, uh, wonderful kids and headed toward that next chapter, um, I also run a business. It's a search firm. Uh, we started it out in a niche that didn't exist before. Uh, we started out saying, could we help churches find their pastor in a more effective and efficient way? Because they it, 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 pretty bad at that. And I know because I was a pastor 100 years ago. And uh, that we were right place, right time. We're not smart. I mean, it's just total like I could do a whole podcast on the timing of that thing. And I didn't realize how perfect the timing was. But since it spread out to uh, faith-based schools that need a headmaster, faith-based nonprofits that need a CEO or a CFO, uh, and even uh, quite a bit of like values-based businesses, we're doing some work right now for an aerospace company that's family-owned, and they've got a particular set of values they want on their senior team. And they, they said, you can figure the aerospace stuff out, just find the cultural fit that matches our values. So it get to meet a lot of people. Um, humans are just endlessly fascinating, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, just endlessly. And uh, in the middle of all that, we've been doing that for 15 years now. Um, when we had the pandemic and the shutdown and time, kind of a lot of extra time on our hands, uh, got a chance to drop back and realize in, in any search we do, we do a lot of Zoom interviews, a lot of virtuals, a lot of quick interviews, but the very best candidates get a face-to-face, long-format interview. It's about three hours long. During the pandemic, we realized we've now done 30,000 of those face-to-face, long-format interviews, hmm. uh, which is a lot. Yeah. And we've tracked the people that we interviewed and noticed where they've gone and who succeeded and who hadn't. And so even within that 30,000, we were able to figure out like, who's the best of the best. And in our research during the pandemic, we, we asked the question, do these, do these people, all these really special high talent people, do they have anything in common? And the answer was yes. And the answer was nothing like I ever thought it'd be. And it led us to write a book 
Um, and and it's it, 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 the book. I actually have one here because my people say you have to show the book, William. Um, it's called "Be the Unicorn." Is you know, unicorns are these mythical, amazing creatures that um, are very hard to spot, but you don't ever forget seeing them. That's kind of what these people are like. And and what we found was what they had in common was not intelligence. Uh, it wasn't. He was the quarterback. She was the head cheerleader. It wasn't pedigree. It's habits and the way these people intentionally treat other human beings. Uh, that's what they had in common. And so when we realized, oh, this is a book, this is no longer. It, it started as kind of a selfish. If I learn how to spot unicorns better, I'll be a better search guy. Uh, but what we realized is we've got a boatload of data and now we've uncovered a roadmap that is 12 habits that these unicorns practice that anyone can learn, anyone can get coached up on, and anyone can become this super remarkable person. And, you know, it kind of blossomed. It turned into like, I've been on uh, dating podcasts. How do I stand out in a crowded, noisy world? I've been on uh, marriage podcasts, uh, parenting podcasts, dad podcasts. It's like, everyone wants to be that one that stands out in the crowd. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to remember me as a great dad, right? And and the hope is that uh, talking about these twelve habits and getting a resource into people's hands will allow them to to become that that dad that's never forgotten. That's just like he was amazing. So mm. that's a lot crammed into a short question. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, so there is a lot to unpack there. First of all, seven kids. Wow, good for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I could have done that, but uh, seven kids is amazing. And here's the thing about having seven kids now, like I said, I've got, I've told you, I got two boys and that was, that was where we drew the line. There was a reason why we drew the line there. Number one, my uh, firstborn, he was six and a half weeks premature, uh, was wow. on an oscillator and in the, you know, in the NICU for two and a half weeks. So he was basically on an, on a ventilator helping him breathe because his lungs were so, so uh, weak. Uh, he had one collapsed and the other one was very weak. Um, so that was our first scary experience as parents. He made it through flying colors. He's now a very successful college graduate and, uh, you know, 25 years old, 6'3", you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just a good kid, right? Then I have my second one who was born two and a half weeks premature, uh, but he was almost 10 pounds when he was born. Uh, and so he was a big boy. Wow. And my wife uh, hemorrhaged after labor and she ended up, uh, I remember being pushed out of the, you know, post delivery room, recovery room. I remember being pushed out of there by doctors, a rush of doctors coming in. Her, her head doctor was literally on the bed on top of her, hooking her up to different machines. Uh, she, wow. had, she had completely gone uh, basically unconscious. Uh, and she had what her doctor told me after her being rushed down the hallway, me not knowing what the hell is going on. Um, he came down a short time later and said, Brian, we were this close from losing her because she had lost so much. Wow. blood. She had lost enough blood for two human beings. So wow. that was my two experiences of having kids. My wife would have loved to have, you know, two, three, four more kids. Uh, but Based on those two experiences alone, we said, okay, the Lord is telling us something. He's given us two precious gifts. My wife was in the NIC, or NICU, the wife was in the ICU for two weeks uh, and wow. was on 
she was in a, a, a medically induced coma. She was on a dialysis machine. She, oh and she's gosh. a, she's a type one diabetic. She was a, she was diagnosed type one diabetic when she was seven. So she had all these different doctors making sure she's being taken care of. And she came out of it flying colors and was healthy and all that. Um, so we went, okay, we've got two healthy boys. This was our experience. We're going to go ahead and cherish these two boys and move on. So telling you that I'm telling you that because you had seven and I know what a chore it is to raise two boys, let alone raising seven kids. Because here's the thing, even when you have experience with one boy, like for us, one child, we have experience raising him. Then we start to raise a second one. So we have a little bit more experience in dealing with the second one. However, personalities change. Personalities are different. Our two boys have vastly different personalities. I can imagine seven kids have vastly different personalities. Uh, it's it's like a it's like raising a brand new person again uh, with a different personality. Yep. And so it is a challenge still. So I, I, that's a long-winded way of saying it doesn't matter how many kids you have, how much experience you have raising one, your experience raising the other one is going to be different. Uh, and yep. so I couldn't agree I'm, more. I'm couldn't sure agree that more. I, tell, yeah. I tell people it's like uh, uh, the, the energy required for parenting is kind of like how, you know, no matter what size jar you put gas in, it fills the whole jar. <laughs> so if you've got one kid, it's one size jar. If you get seven, it's just another size jar, but the gas fills the whole thing. It, it takes everything, whether you've got one kid or seven or eight or nine, it just takes everything. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I, I kind of figured you would agree with that. And I'm sure that most parents that are watching this agree with that. I will say this though. Uh, my two boys who don't get me wrong. I was, I was, you know, former Marine. Uh, I was a hard nosed dad. I, I, we, they had strict rules and guidelines they had to follow all those different things. Uh, but I was very involved in their, in their lives. And even though we may have butted heads as they grew up, especially those teenage years when they're the toughest, right? We may have butted heads. They're two of my best friends right now. And that's mm -hmm. because of the relationship that my wife and I had with our boys. When we raised them, we were checked in, we were there for them a hundred percent of the time. And um, as parents, I know it's challenging, like for you, I mean, you're starting a business, right? You have this, you have this company that you started and you're trying to raise a family as well. For you, it's a challenge because I wasn't an entrepreneur, you know, I worked in corporate America, but you being an entrepreneur, starting a business, that's gotta be hard, especially when you have that many kids that you're trying to balance your time between your business, your wife and seven kids, um, so my first question to you is like, how in the world did you yeah. pay attention to that? Because that's a challenge. I, I don't know if I did. <laughs> I don't know if I did. I think it's a tightrope. I, I I think it's just a constant tightrope of, you know, how much do I need to be there? How much do I need to be focused? I mean, you, your first, this is going to sound old school chauvinist. It can apply to any gender, but like, Really, the first job of the dad is to provide and protect. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's it. You, you go back tens of thousands of years. That's what the dad's supposed to do: provide and protect. And you know, particularly when you're starting a business that's in a field that doesn't exist, you're kind of creating a, a sector. Um, yeah, I remember going to an entrepreneur. We grew pretty fast early on, and so I got invited to all these like. Inc. and Fast Company and Forbes kind of gatherings. 
And, and it was all entrepreneurs kind of invite only for high growth sector sort of thing. And I remember somebody saying in one of the first ones I went to, well, by the time my third marriage ended and everybody in the room died laughing because entrepreneurs are terrible at staying married. <laughs> They're really bad at it. And I, I just, I walked away going, ah, oh, no, no, no. Not me. Now, why are entrepreneurs terrible at being married? Is it because they're just bad people? No, it's because just what you said. You, you, you when you start a business, it is an. Yeah, I have eight children. The eighth is this business, right? right. And you got to feed it. And uh, so, I think the balance of like, uh, you, you know, I made pretty much every practice when I was in town. I made pretty much every parent conference. But I remember sometimes having to make a calculated decision like, I'm going to miss this, but I can't forget that my main job is provide and protect. And, uh, you know, I've probably gotten it wrong a lot. I can't wait to see. I think I know some of the issues I have with my family of origin. I mean, most people's issues are family of origin, right? Mm -hmm. I think I know some of mine. I, I'm kind of interested to see what my kids, when they're adults, will say theirs was. Because <laughs> I, I haven't gotten it right 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, well, listen, one of the reasons, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but one of the reasons why I started my show was that you know, I felt like, as you had said earlier, I felt like my dad journey had come to an end. And what I like to, the purpose, the main purpose of my show is really to show dads and moms, for that matter, parents, that, hey, you can be successful outside of the home and still be a successful parent as well. That's and right. I say that because I'm living proof of it. I was very successful in corporate America but I also coached every single one of my boys' uh, sports teams that they played on. I went to all their parent-teacher conferences. I was at all their field trips. I did all those things and still was able to be successful uh, working in corporate America. So I'm proof that it is possible. Now, there are certain um, adjustments that have to be made because there's no such thing as having a balanced lifestyle, right? It's just not when you That's right. focus on one area of your life, something else is not going to get as much attention. So it's impossible to have right. a really true equal balance. But what I did as a person that worked in corporate America, what I did was, hey, I know I had to leave the office at two o'clock to go coach a team or to go to a game that I had to coach. So I would come in at 4 a.m. to the office to make sure that I got my stuff done. Yep. And my business, yep. my company couldn't say, well, you didn't do your job. Yeah, I did. I was here at 4 a.m., doing my job. So I can leave it to my, my business, my company said, Hey, you do your job. You can do whatever the hell else you want to do with your family. And I said, deal. And I did that. So it's possible now for him as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm not, I don't know that type of lifestyle because I wasn't an entrepreneur raising kids. However, I do know that I've met many entrepreneurs and I've done hundreds of these episodes and I've met thousands of people that are entrepreneurs and very successful parents, whether they're moms or dads. So it is possible. So yes, you know what, William, you probably messed up. You probably made mistakes along the way. Your kids, there are probably things that your kids remember that you didn't attend that they wish you would have attended. However, what matters is the relationship that you have with your kids through those times and the relationships you have with your kids right now. And 
I'd be curious to know too. Maybe you should ask them, hey, was there anything when you grew up and I was, you know, your dad, was there anything that you wish I would have done differently as your dad? And see what their responses are. It's a it great might surprise question. You. It might surprise you. Um, it's one of the questions yeah. I coach a lot of dads. And it's one of the questions that I encourage my dads to ask at various ages of their kids' lives. So when they're younger, might not completely understand the question. They may say, oh, I wish you would take me to have ice cream instead of dinner, you know, that kind of thing. But right. as they grow up, they'll start to give you real life, real true responses. And it might be hard to hear and it might be a positive response, but I encourage dads to ask their kids those questions throughout their lives from younger all the way up through adulthood and say, hey, was is there anything that I could do different as a dad or is there anything I could have done different as a dad and see what their response yep. is because kids will tell you the truth. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, so I want to ask you this now, cause we're, uh, you're talking about, uh, be the unicorn and you're talking about, you can really, uh, apply that kind of that rule of being the unicorn to any area of your life, whether it's business, your relationships, uh, a kid being playing in sports, right. Playing in a, in a, in a sport environment, uh, uh, you know, social skills, uh, parenting, you talked about being on a parenting podcast and stuff. So, what is the true, what is a true definition of being the unicorn? I know you kind of talked, touched on a little bit more, but I want to touch on it just a tad bit more. What's a true definition yeah. of being a unicorn and, and uh, how does that, how does that apply to maybe parents? Yeah, well, there are a lot of definitions, right? Um, I don't know, you know, Brian, if you've had, uh, you probably had this happen. You, you, it doesn't happen much in life, but you meet somebody and maybe it's at a, soccer game or maybe it's a work function or maybe a job interview or whatever but you meet somebody within five minutes you're like i'm a fan this person's different this one is special they're they're just a rare percentage of people that immediately within five minutes have this i don't know almost magnetic effect right mm -hmm. for years i've wondered what is happening am i being bewitched like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not the most gullible. Like, what are they doing that I'm like? So that strange person who has this magical ability to to grab you that quickly, uh, that's kind of like, you know, looking around. We were talking about titles for the book. I'm like, we were talking about how do you stand out of the crowd? Well, there are like a million books that say stand out. So, mm -hmm. okay, fine. That actually, ironically... Titling your book "Stand Out" makes it not stand out. Right. So, <laughs> so we're just thinking like, what really stands out? And I, I remember looking at a pile of stuffed animals, and there's a stuffed unicorn. I'm like that, oh, that stands out. And then you start to think about, you know, uh, the tech world calls the companies that stand out unicorns. So it's really like, who are the dads that you've met that within five minutes you'd say, "I'm a fan. That mm -hmm. one's special." And I guess the uh, the start of the book has the Webster's definition of unicorn. It's like this mythical beast with magical abilities and everybody loves it. So how do you become that? And uh, I think that each of these 12 habits that these people exuded, mm -hmm. uh, that we study, we put a lot of data and research into, each of the 12 habits are things you've heard before. It's not a, you know, a massive reveal or plot twist. I mean, honestly, the 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 second title that was kind of the joke was well I guess mom was right because nearly nearly every one of the 
<laughs> which may have been a better title, but right. it, nearly every one of these, you read the 12 and it's like, duh, mom said that all growing right. up, or dad. So, <laughs> but, but now there's some data behind it that shows actually this really works. And if you're sitting there saying there is no manual to this parenting thing, and I don't know what to do with it, practice these 12 habits with your kids and you'll stand out. You'll, you'll, you'll do better. Hmm. No. Uh, what about your kids? I mean, you've, you've written a book. It's out. I know that, uh, I know that, I know that at least some of them, a few of your kids have at least read the book. Um, have, what has been their input as far as, um, you know, their take on, on the yeah. book? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, our oldest who's about to get married, um, would say just what I said. It's one of those things that's like, okay, this actually just reinforces what I've been told my whole life I should do. And I think my mom. it was, uh, Yeah. I, I I think it was uh, Aristotle who said uh, the greater part of instruction is being reminded of the things we already know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know that having coached all these teams, you're not coaching brand new strategy. It's like, right. dude, pass the ball, catch the ball, throw right. the ball. It's not hard. <laughs> so yeah. I, that's been the reaction of my oldest. Uh, and then our, our youngest, our 13 year old, I don't think hadn't, has read it. Our, interestingly, our 18 year old high school senior, um, is applying to colleges and she read it for that. Like, how do I stand out in the middle of, I mean, it's harder than ever to apply to college. Right. So it's been interesting to hear what each of them have to say. So, yeah, uh, that's awesome. I I think, um, you know, when I, when I think about be the unicorn, I think just that you, you find a way to stand out and that, like I said earlier, that can apply to parenting. How can I stand out as a parent to my kids to make them, you know, proud of me to make them, uh, appreciate what I'm doing as a parent, whether it's the the strict guidelines, the rules that they have to follow, or giving them the freedom uh, that they uh, would like to have. Uh, how do I stand out as a parent? I see, mm-hmm. you know, I've coached, like I said, I've coached every single one of the sports teams my boys played on. I've coached thousands of kids and I have witnessed parents try to be that unicorn parent by giving their child everything, by spoiling them, by giving them uh, everything that they want without any complaints or any issues. Uh, and I don't think that's really the true definition of the be the unicorn parent, right? I mean, I well, think- I don't, it, I, don't, I, I don't, sorry to interrupt. I yeah. don't think it's a bad motive. Right. I just think it's a misread on what kids really want. Okay, I want ice cream instead of dinner. Fair, Right. But what what do kids really want? And every one of my kids wants a different thing because they are all different and unique. And it's kind of on us as dads to sort of decode what the very unique needs are of each of my kids. They're all different Enneagram. They're different disc. They're different. They're just different individuals. Um, But at the risk of making big generalizations, I, I think that, you know, the dad challenge for most people is that your kids say, dad noticed. Mm. He was proud of me. Like, mm. no, very, very, very few kids go through life saying, I wish my mom had noticed. No, mm. usually it's, I wish mom had stayed out of it a little bit. Too much helicopter mom, drop mm. back, you know? like Especially that's now. Yeah, especially now. But the dad, I mean, I remember <laughs> my best friend, uh, you know, I tell men, you, you should have five 2 a.m. friends. What do I mean? I mean, you know, yeah, you, you know what I mean. You, know, you can call them at two in the morning from whatever mess you've gotten into and they'll just show up. You know, if it's bail you out of jail or whatever. So my best buddy, I tell this story quite a bit. And 
he interrupted me when I was with him one time saying he's one of my 2 a.m. friends. He said, no, I'm the 4 a.m. friend and I bring a shovel. So like, <laughs> probably shouldn't say that on the air, but <laughs> but he, he told me uh, one of his big memories of his dad was he came running around the house, little brothers, big brothers chasing him. And he comes running to go outside and tell dad, turns to run outside through the the back door, which was a sliding glass door. The door shut and not open, runs smack dab into it, slices his head open. It's just, yeah, it's not, not life-threatening, but really bad. Goes out to tell his dad, who was a great dad. Um, and his dad's working on a car under the hood. And, you know, my buddy Tom comes up to him and says, dad, I hurt my head. He said, oh, your mother will be home in a little bit. Kind of kept his head down, <laughs> never even looked up. Like that's the that's the hyperbole of what I think most kids are like. Did Dad ever notice? Right. And did he say he was proud of it? Did I make him proud? Like those are the two Dad challenges. And when you practice these things, like the very first chapter, the very first habit in the book is you know you need to be responsive. Hmm. People are terrible at getting back to other people. Hmm. We're just horrible at it. Uh, you can read studies of how long does it take sales guys to follow up on leads. It's frightfully long. Uh, you can, you know, oh, I'll get back to it. Oh, I'll get back to him. How many times has a uh, have you heard a dad say, well, my kid wanted me to do this and I kind of forgot about it. I got caught up in work and I didn't get back to it. Like it's like it's that simple. Just getting back to your kid right away can be the thing that separates you from the crowd. And makes you the dad that's noticed and it it really gets down to the the key challenges i think dads have of did they notice me and are they proud of me mm. and, and you know we could walk through each of the 12 habits to say how how do i apply this but i think it'll be pretty evident to dads like ah if i do this intentionally with each of my kids it's going to make a big difference yeah um that's a pretty powerful one and you said that's the very first one very first one and that's and that's powerful uh, from a parenting perspective because um, I think about being responsive as a parent and and we know the rules or we hear people say you know be intentional with your kids be put the phones down things like that when your kid's talking to you um, take your eyes out of your you know paper magazine or phone or whatever and put your eyes on them and really pay attention to them and the crazy thing is that we as humans think that we can really multitask very well. Oh, we can. And the facts are, and its studies have shown that we're actually terrible at multitasking. And actually, I think I've read it's impossible yes, to multitask. Absolutely. So the, I, the auditory, it's fascinating. The, uh, we love music and my mother's classical musician and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. The auditory nerve can only hear one sound at a time. Correct. So if you're listening to Handel's Messiah and you're hearing all the different pieces and parts, you're not. You're hearing one at a time and your brain's bouncing back and forth and back and forth, but only one sound at a time. And right. the multitasking thing, man, I mean, wow. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, I, and I've heard the same thing too. So what I'm saying is when your child comes up to you and my wife and I have a rule uh, and I'll, just a little sidebar. My wife and I have a rule. When we need to talk to each other, my wife's a school teacher. She's doing things at night and, you know, in the evening time with uh, answering parent emails or uh, grading stuff or working on lesson planning, whatever. When I have to talk to her, 
I will go to my wife because I don't want to interrupt her, but I also have to talk to her. I'll go to my wife and say, is now a good time to talk? And I'll ask her that question. And she has the right, and we do this with each other. She has the right to say, it's not a good time right now. And then I say, okay, when's a good time? And she'll give me a time. She does the same with me. If I'm in the middle of something, she'll say, is now a good time to talk? And I'll go, you know, yeah, it is. We can talk. And when we say, yes, that's the time to talk, then we close everything up. We give our our attention to each other. The same has to apply for your kids. Now, your kids aren't going to come up to you and say, is now a good time to talk, dad? Your kids aren't going to say that, but you have to have that mentality when they come up. They're expecting an answer or they're expecting your attention. So having your phone in your face and hearing your kid is not paying attention to them. Listen, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. So what does that mean? When you're looking at your phone, the time that you're spending with them when they're asking you a question is is literally, it's nil. There's no time there because your face is in your phone. So give that time to your kids. It could take two seconds. They may just have to ask you, who knows? They may have a little brother or sister that's hurt and they need to tell you something and you're too busy looking at your phone. Little other things can happen, but- being responsive, as he said, that first rule of being a unicorn, that's not unique. I mean, being responsive is is unique, but being responsive to your child, that doesn't have to be unique. If that's you're right. a responsive parent and you're giving the time to your kids that they deserve, um, trust me, your life as a parent will be that much better. And your relationship with the parent-child, the parent-child relationship or child-parent relationship will be phenomenally better if you give that time to your kids instead of paying attention to other things. Because as we just talked about, you can't balance your time. You can't, there's no way you can multitask. It's just impossible. So hundred uh, percent. I love and the, and the, inter- the interesting thing about the research is these unicorns are bent toward these 12 habits. Like they're almost maniacal about getting back to people, right? Hmm. Almost everyone else is terrible at it. And it's not, it's not like, like I would love to win the masters, the golf tournament. It'd be awesome. I can practice all day, every day, the rest of my life. I am not winning the masters. That's not true with these 12 habits. They're all learnable, applicable, coachable. They're, they're right there for everybody. If you just make the effort, I mean, for instance, um, I love what you're saying about the the responsiveness. One of the lessons I had to learn is our, that I did not get right with the first couple kids, but by the second few realized, you know, if you've got a teenager who wants to have conversation with parents, you stop what you're doing and you have conversation. Like that's not normal. <laughs> you know, te- no, Teenagers usually sit there and say, parents just don't understand not to go mm-hmm. old school in music, but right. like, <laughs> no, I know what but you mean. if they walk in our, I don't care if it's date night and we just get home from a lovely dinner and they want to sit and talk about, some- yeah, sorry. You got to make the time because it, 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 being able to read when it's important, when it's not, oh my gosh. And and if I could offer one little hack to dads that's not in the book, mm-hmm. okay? And it's under the habit of uh, authenticity. So so the, the authentic, like the genuinely authentic. So we each of the uh, chapters in the book is a habit and it tells you, here's a case study. Here's what we learned from the unicorns we interviewed and here's how you can apply it to your life. Very simple, straightforward playbook. Um. In the authentic, one of the things about being authentic is making sure the other person feels like they have your attention. Mm-hmm. 
you ever uh, get around somebody that made you feel like you're the only person in the room? Mm -hmm. You know, it probably happened when you first started dating your wife, like right. you all go on a date. It's, you know, and, and it can last a lifetime. It's not like that fizzles out, but like, I've been around some pretty amazing leaders that I don't agree with on leadership decisions or politics, but they have this ability to make me feel like I'm the only person. Okay. How do you do that as a dad? How do you make your kid feel like they're sitting there saying, dad, I'm the only person in the room with dad right now. Mm -hmm. You look them in the eye, right? Here's the, here's the life hack. That's not in the book. 90% of all humans are right. eye dominant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, you talk about, you can't multitask, can't do two things at once. You can't look into both of somebody's eyes. It's not possible. You can look right. in their nose, but that's not looking at either one of their eyes. It's like a printer, scanner, fax machine. So okay for a lot of things and good for nothing. Like, <laughs> you know, right. if you take the time to look someone dead in their right eye, kind of like I'm trying to do into my little zoom camera right now, <laughs> they will feel like you are only paying attention to them. They will notice your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And for a dad, you'll have a kid who goes, dad noticed me. Mm -hmm. He listened to me, which as we were talking about earlier, I think is one of the two big challenges for dads. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as I said, the, the, being responsive with your kids is important. Um, I think that, you know, for my boys, you know, as, as I, said earlier, they're, they're in their twenties and now they follow that kind of the same rule that my wife and I follow is, you know, is now a good time to talk, uh, <clears throat> just because they understand the concept. Right. Uh, however, when your kids are younger, they, they're not going to understand that concept, but when you make eye contact with your kid, do you know the powerful message that that has with your child? Just the simple fact. Now, listen, I'll tell you a little life hack. When you're making eye contact with your kids, you still may not be listening to them. You still may not be hearing them. But even just the eye contact alone helps them feel important. Now, I don't recommend you not just not listening to your kids, listen to them too. But just the simple eye contact, I mean, that's in business. I mean, right, William? That's in business. That's in anything you do. Absolutely. When my boys were raised that when they meet an adult, when I introduced them to another adult when they were younger, they made eye contact with their adult and they shook their hand and they gave a firm handshake. That was what I taught my boys when they were younger. Now it's, that's the case. And the crazy thing is there's not enough of those lessons being taught to our kids. Now, now our kids are so busy with technology and stuff and they see mom and dad talking out the side of their mouth because their face is in their phone that they think that that's how you communicate with people. Now they think that that's how we meet people. Now I'm introducing oh. them to somebody and they got their head in their phone and I'm introducing them to somebody and they, without turning their head and looking at the phone, they say, hi, nice to meet you. And they stick their hand out. That's not, that's not being responsive. That's not being responsive at all. So as parents, it's important when our kids have to talk to us, make eye contact and listen to them. It's not going to take that long. It's not that difficult to do. And trust me, it helps your relationship with your child. Trust me. I have two boys that are in their twenties. William has kids that are, that are older and he understands that concept. My boys understand that concept that listen, when, when I pay attention to them and, and I give them eye contact, they know that they matter. That's what they're, that's what I'm telling them. They matter. That's what they know. And my relationship with them now, as they're two of my best friends, we go golfing together, all those sorts of things is because of the relationship that I built with them over the years. So 
I love that that concept of being responsive is the very first thing in your book. Um, it's super important, but I'm also dying to uh, get into the other 12. So what I want to know are the other lessons in the book. So what I want to know from you, William, is if my viewers, listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, what's the best place for them to do that if they want to get the book, all those sorts of things. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, Brian. Um, just type Vanderblumen however you want into Google or Amazon and you'll find it. My last name is so messed up that it it it, it will correct back to our website, which has about 4,000 free resources for leaders on it. So that's a oh, that's whole different awesome. podcast, but take them, use them, whatever. Same thing with Amazon. If you enter my name, however you want, you'll find it. It'll show up. There is a website that has like everything about the book, including a, a software assessment that we designed with some psychologists and with data scientists to help people see, okay, which of these 12 habits am I doing well at? How do I measure up against the unicorns and against everybody else? And which are the two or three that I really need to work on and, and have a kind of a development plan? That, that website that's got all those things is called theunicornbook.com, theunicornbook.com. And there you'll see our beautiful blue book and mm -hmm. uh, some free bonus material and and oh, just a lot of fun things, theunicornbook.com. Awesome. Well, listen, William, uh, it's been a super honor, super great conversation with you. I'm really um, glad that we got a chance to connect. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this friendship for sure. Um, thank you again for being on, brother. I really appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me, man. And thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Listen, guys, it's been another phenomenal episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys are going and checking out. Check out the book, Be Be a Unicorn. Check out William Vanderblumen. See what he's doing. Uh, I know he has social media. You can go on to social media, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. But all the links are in the show notes below. So make sure you guys are checking it out. Pick up the book, please. I'm gonna. I'm definitely going to read it because I think it's important for all parents to read, even if you're a business owner, uh, corporate America, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's a really useful book. Just that first one, Be Responsive, is, is amazing. So make sure you guys are uh, checking that out. And as always, if you're not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you do that so you don't miss any of the awesome guests that I have on each and every week. And as always, I look forward to seeing you all in the next episode of Dad Up. Wow, another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared, and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing. Don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at dadaptribe.com or at my Instagram page at dadappodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.